Bankless never ever misses a roll up, but then I'm going <laughs> off to ETH Denver. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah, so guys, David is live. He is our ETH Denver correspondent right now. Hey, Bankless Nation, happy third week of February. It's roll up time. David Hoffman, how you doing? Oh my God, Ryan, it's the best week ever. Not only is it the third week of February, but it is ETH Denver week, which is what you can see going on behind me just a little bit. Vitalik just finished up his talk, uh, and there's so many more talks later today that I'm really, really excited for. Uh, ETH Denver, as I've said before, holds a special place in my heart. So I'm excited to, uh, to bla blast through this roll-up because Bankless never, ever misses a roll-up but then I'm going off to ETH Denver. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah, so guys, David is live. He is our ETH Denver correspondent right now. Before we get into kind of the headlines, what we're going to run down in the roll-up, give us a high level of like what's happening at ETH Denver over the next couple of days and why it's important. Yeah, so today is Shelling Point, which is Kevin Owaki and a few others uh, day before ETH Denver event. The actual ETH Denver opening ceremony happens tonight at 5 p.m., uh, which I am the opening MC for, uh, along with Jonathan Mann, who's got some songs to sing, the Song of Day Man. Oh, uh, man, he's awesome. Right? Yeah, uh, apparently he just had, a, I missed it, but he had a song about Vitalik, which was very catchy, so I'm going to have <laughs> to catch, uh, uh, watch that on YouTube later. Um, but they, all, all, uh, all of today is a bunch of uh, really powerful talks. Uh, all in the theme of uh, regenerative crypto economics, which is what Kevin Owaki's favorite subject is. Uh, and uh, that's, that's all of today. I have my talk later today. Uh, and then East Denver kicks off tomorrow. Uh, people have been here for the last 10 days or so. Hackers have been hacking away. Uh, and just for just you know a little bit of context, the first ETH Denver I went to was 2018. I think there was an ETH Denver 2017 before that. Uh, ETH Denver 2018 had something like three to four thousand people, and that's when ETH price was like 600 coming out of the ICO mania. Uh, and then ETH Denver 2019, ETH price was like 100 dollars. Except the energy and vibrancy of ETH Denver 2019 was like 50 percent bigger and and stronger <laughs> than it was during the ICO mania ETH Denver. And there was like uh, I, I think another. 8,000 people there. Uh, and then uh, ETH Denver 2020 uh, was like even like right before the COVID crash, right before like the liquidation. A came bunch of people got COVID, right? In at ETH Denver 2020. Not too many, not too yeah. many. That was ETH CC, but like def it was definitely there. And the energy Starting. at that ETH Denver was even higher, even even like more vibrant. And then boom, ETH Denver 2022, because we didn't have 2021 because of COVID. ETH Denver 2022, 15,000 people have tickets. That blows my mind. 15,000 people. Mm -hmm. And so I'm assuming the vibrancy is about to be off the charts. I just got here and into this podcast room to record this roll up, but I'm about to go experience it for myself. Uh, I'm expecting, there's a, there's a lot of newcomers. And, and so like, while all the previous ETH Denvers were a lot of like, you know, the, the, the bear market ETH Denvers, this is a bull market ETH Denver. And so it's about to, it's gonna be a little bit different. There's a lot of newcomers here. I'm excited to, to meet all the people, all the newcomers, uh, and kind of see, see people where I was back in ETH Denver 2018. And hopefully uh, so many new awesome projects get spun out of the inspiration that comes out of this. Well, guys, if you uh, see David at ETH Denver, make sure you print out your Medium article and hand him a copy of your article because that's what you did your first ETH Denver. You were like passing out pamphlets of your writing. Yep. Uh, yep. It's a really cool story, guys. Paper. Also, I yeah, have... I also have a, my own PO app. There's people that have their own PO apps. You met me PO apps. And so uh, if you meet me, I'll have a PO app for you that I met David <laughs> I Hoffman met David. PO app. Yeah. Uh, well, and there's, I, I, don't, I, I don't hold that PO app right you now. Will, okay? You, you, you do not I, hold that PO app. Yeah. Tons of people <laughs> will hold that PO app with, without me. So hopefully uh, I'll, I'll get issued that PO app at some point this year, David. 
Um, and Bankless listeners, we're going to probably follow up with some other content, other episodes on ETH Denver. So uh, you feel like you are getting in on the conference, even if you couldn't attend in purpose in in person. We'll uh, we'll do that uh, sometime next week. Uh, on but let's Saturday, get to the roll up Saturday subjects. Saturday night live podcast on stage with uh, me, Eric Voorhees, and Kevin Owaki. The subject is transcending individualism with collectivism. So that's going to be a okay. fun, fun show. And that's just one piece. I mean, we'll, piece. we'll have some other content coming out of ETH Denver for you. Mm-hmm. Try to offer mm-hmm. the highlights. Um, but anyway, let's get to the roll-ups this week yep. because we have to. We can't not. We're going to talk about a few things. Number one, we got to do a ranking of the top Super Bowl ads, David. Oh, yeah. a, a little game happened last mm-hmm. Sunday. Crypto was all over it. Maybe it was a crypto bull. And advertisers came out in force. We're going to rank those ads uh, for you as well. The SEC is also fining BlockFi $100 million. Is that bearish? Sounds like it. Or is it bullish? Maybe it is. Maybe there's a bright spot around this. Also, crypto prices are going up. Maybe tensions are easing in uh, the Ukraine with the Russia situation. We're going to talk a bit about that. Canada is freezing protester funds. Without a court order, what does that mean? What does that mean for crypto? And then Twitter just rolled out ETH tips, David. Wow. Jack is wow. gone. Twitter's right. doing that. What We're going to talk about that too. So those are some of the highlights that we'll get into in the roll-up. Uh, David, before we get into the roll-up, we should talk about Notional Finance, all right? Because what they are doing is super cool. It's a new DeFi primitive that wasn't available a couple of years ago and now is in full force. Fixed rate lending. Okay, that means you can earn interest on your USDC, earn interest on your DAI, earn interest on your ETH and your Bitcoin using this protocol. And it's not volatile, so you actually get to lock in a rate for up to a year point in time. Uh, David, what else do you want to say about Notional? I mean, this is just putting banks to shame, isn't it? Like effectively zero interest rates uh, versus over 8% APY that you can get locked in for a year. Like this is just, uh, it's just so, it's so easy these days to talk about how silly and unnecessary banks are. So uh, this is the highest stable APY uh, rate that I've ever seen before, 8.4% borrowing, or you can also borrow and you can also lend, you can also lend stable uh, in, um, in a stable fashion. Uh, so notional.finance, there's a link in the show notes if you want to get started. Go check that out too, especially with the news of like BlockFi getting fined and, and freezing interest rate accounts. You can still do these things in DeFi today. So this is a way to do that. You can check that out at notional.finance. We'll also have a link in the show notes so you can see that. All right, David, let's get to the markets, man. What is Bitcoin doing for us this week? Bitcoin started the week at $44,000. It is currently at the lower price of $41,900. Hit a high of almost $45,000. Some some chop this week, but overall down 4%. Down 4% on the week. And did Ether follow suit? What's that looking like on the week? Yeah, followed even more so. Started the week at $3,100. Hit a low of $2,950. Its high was $3,200. And we are currently clocking in at $2,970, has dipped since uh, I've woke up this morning. It's been a a down down morning so far. Overall down uh, 7%, no, 3.5% on the week, 3.5% on the week. But but playing with that 3K number Mm -hmm. as well, it's like whenever Mm -hmm. it's above 3K, I'm feeling okay. And when it's below 3K, I'm I'm not feeling so great about the bull market. And um, it's just hovering around that. Like, you know, 3K is maybe the new 300 uh, a couple of years ago when we were crab marketing around 300. (laughs) It's funny, though. You you see the same trends in these markets. Mm -hmm, It's just mm -hmm. like 10x higher the next go around, right? 
Well, I, the, the ether the ether at three hundred uh, meme only actually lasted for three months, but I guess we've actually only been around three k for for a similar amount of time. Uh, the the reference is that in twenty seventeen, ether was at like three hundred dollars for a really long time while the market just moved around it. Anyways, yeah. we're seeing it again. Fractals, fractals. That's what we always see in crypto. How about the ETH Bitcoin chart? What's that hanging out at on the ratio? The ETH Bitcoin ratio. Yeah, not too much of a story here. Cl currently clocking in at 0 0.071, so uh, relatively flat on the week. Hasn't really done too much. Grabbing out, just grabbing out. How about uh, the bed product? So that is one-third Bitcoin, one-third ETH, and one-third DeFi. Looks like that's down on the week, as you would expect. No, it's flat on the week, flat on the week. Started at 115, okay. ended, ended at 115. Oh, wow, so exactly flat, huh? Yeah, uh -huh. <laughs> That's funny, okay. Um, Let's talk about why the market is doing what it was doing. So I believe it was maybe last Friday, there was some uh, breaking news about increased tension between Russia and Ukraine. We don't, have to we don't have time to get into all of the geopolitics of that. But earlier this week, crypto saw a, a price rise, uh, and that was on the back of Putin pledging to partially pull back troops from the borders of Ukraine. So there's a lot of geopolitical macro tension that's happening that is affecting markets and, of course, crypto prices as a result. Seems like maybe some of that tension is easing. Uh, what do you think about this? Yeah, this... There was a statement that Putin made about how like genocide is currently happening in Ukraine, and it's like everyone was making fun of him. Is like everyone knew you were going to say that. Like you, you, when we already knew what the script was, and now like we're at that part in the show. Uh, and so like this is just seems like a bunch of eh. except for the fact that there's actual like armies and tanks. Like it's almost just a bad joke. Uh, and so like his statements are like rocking the markets, uh, but also rocking the world while people's like people's lives do hang in the balance while like Putin just flexes trying to get what he wants. Uh, and so, uh, it's really kind of like Putin's show at the moment. Like what's Putin going to do? I feel like, uh, it totally is. And for me, David, this meme summed it up. Okay. So this is, uh, I think this is like from family guy yes, mm -hmm. and, uh, for people who can't see it's like, like Putin pulling out some sort of weapon, like a gun or something that looks very, very harmful, and then being like, psych, nope, mm -hmm. it's just, you know, it's just a hanger. It's, a, it's something else. Yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, it's something else. That about <laughs> sums it up for me. But you know what was interesting on the back of this? And I wonder if this is related. So this just was breaking, like, as of 10 minutes ago, as we were recording, Ukraine is legalizing Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. Very interesting, unprecedented. So... They are, uh, you know, on the on the borders of, of potentially being invaded by a foreign aggressor. And what's an action that they take not to outlaw Bitcoin and crypto, but to legalize it, something that most Western countries and most countries around the world haven't been ready to do. I wonder if that is somehow related. Right. So like if Russia is going to invade their banking system, may as well have a credible, uh, you know, neutral public money system to to be sort of a backstop to all of that what do you think yeah if you're about to be invaded by an oppressor you might want to lean into the financial system that sets you free like the the contrast there is it's pretty obvious in my mind yeah um, or i mean maybe this is just a, a, a coincidence uh but like i don't know they're kind of ukraine's kind of busy at the moment and then they decide to pass a legalizing cryptocurrency law so i feel like it right. kind of tells you their priorities <laughs> Uh, and it's it's I guess it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. And of course, as we said before, right, when you adopt crypto protocols, you adopt crypto values. So this is 
Ukraine adopting a value of freedom for, for their country. Uh, excited to see. David, let's talk about some ETH numbers because we can't not. And this is a, another fantastic analytics screen that David Mihal came up with. This is layer two. Currently fees. my roommate. <laughs> He's your roommate at ETH <laughs> <Yeah>. Denver? <laughs> yeah. Well, can, can you get him to uh, throw in some other metrics that uh, Bankless has wanted oh, for a I'll, while? I'll, I'll drop in a request. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, so th- this is really cool. Another cool dashboard. It's layer two fees. How much are rollups paying for Ethereum security? Have you ever wondered about that? One day security cost. Arbitrum is paying 100K to get the security of Ethereum. What's so interesting about this, of course, these numbers will, will go up over time, we expect. We expect um, you know, chains like rollups to be the big users, the big consumers of Ethereum block space overall. But look at what they're getting for 100K in one day fees. A massive amount of security. They're getting Ethereum-level sovereign nation-state protection for their chain, and they don't have to issue tokens in order to do that. So if you contrast that with what many of the alt-layer ones who are going their own way are trying to do, they are issuing a lot of tokens in order to get security, right? Mm -hmm. Billions of dollars of tokens per year. High inflation, high token issuance. Most people don't look at those numbers, but of course... David Michal has a has another chart for that where you can see it. Um, so that's what's fascinating to me about this L2 fees tracker, and I'm glad we can we can see that data very clearly now. Any other takes from you, David? Yeah, something I've learned recently is it's hard to scale caring about decentralization. There's a core p- part of the crypto world that really cares about decentralization, but if we want crypto to scale to the world, more people are going to care about low fees. We've learned this yep. in 2021. More people care about low fees. So do you care about low fees? Well, then you can go use Arbitrum, Optimism, DYDX, etc. But you know what those chains that give you low fees care about? Those chains care about decentralization. So they give you high low, low fees, and then they care about decentralization on your behalf, in the background where it's supposed to be. But do you know what's also cool? Is those chains actually care about low fees. All right. And right. rather than issuing their tokens and paying billions of dollars in token issuance to uh, validators, they just have to pay 100000 a day for Arbitrum to get Ethereum level security. So I totally agree. It's like not the decentralization argument that will win over the masses. It's actually the economic argument, which says it's cheaper to run a layer two backed by the security of a main chain like Ethereum than to go your own way and create a new alternative layer one. At least that's the bull case for L2s, which uh, we are bullish on. Um, This is my take that was related. People say users don't care about decentralization. I think it's such a myopic take, okay? Because the future blockchain users, they aren't people, they're chains. To win in the smart contract wars, you have to sell a lot of block space to a lot of chains. Chains are the new users, and these users care about decentralization, similar to what you just said, David. Um, This is another interesting stat. Number of Ethereum addresses holding 0.1 ETH just hit an all-time high. I think this is a good marker for uh, distribution. It's something that Bitcoin has has um, promoted about, like the distribution of, of Bitcoins is a very good metric to see go up. Any thoughts on this? Yeah, we, I, I was wondering if this is including people that are holding 0.1 ETH on layer twos as well as the Ethereum main chain, because 0.1 ETH on the Ethereum main chain is going to cost a lot to move to the L2s. Uh, so I hope those people are accumulating more because disproportionately that the the transfer to an L2 costs like a point, I think like 0.03 or 0.04. But like we we do like the dust gets expensive. Dust gets expensive. Yeah. But we do like the distribution. Distribution is very good. 
Um, let's talk about this uh, last metric. So somebody actually did the market cap of the Ethereum ecosystem, and I've never seen these numbers before. It just takes a little finagling to uh, to get to them. Um, we, we've seen, we of course know the market cap of, of ETH, right? Which is all ETH outstanding. I don't know what that is now, David. Something like 400. in the 250. No, it's like 300 billion, I think. Oh, uh, it's 300, 300 billion, something like this, okay? Uh, and then, um, but that's not the total market. 350 billion. So that's not the total of the uh, the Ethereum economy because you also have to add all of the ERC-20s, all of the synthetics on top of it. This chart doesn't even add the NFTs, which would be another layer on top of it. But when you add both Ethereum, the market cap of Ethereum, and then all of the tokens built on top, you get to something close to $600 billion. So $585 billion at the time these numbers were computed. And that is the total value of all of the assets within the Ethereum economy, which is uh, which is quite stunning. I mean, this gets to like nation state levels, and I think this is going way higher, right? So I think there's going to be a time where Ethereum absorbs so much we're we're in the you know um, double digit trillions in the next ten years. I can easily see how we get to a hundred trillion dollars with when you combine ETH and then all of the tokens, all of the digital assets built on top of it. Any uh, takes on this? Yeah, two, two comments here. It's actually a, uh, a very, I think it's going to be a very interesting uh, scientific uh, question process, uh, analytics process to actually figure out the correct way to calculate this, uh, the market, the value of all assets and tokens on Ethereum that aren't ETH. It's not an easy calculation. It's not just going up to CoinGecko and summing the totals because you, not all uh, valuations of all tokens are the same, right? Some tokens have significant outstanding supplies with low liquidity, uh, and so their market cap is super inflated. So adding up all the tokens is not a tri trivial process, and that is going to be um, so, uh, uh, an ongoing scientific endeavor, uh, I think, for the rest of Ethereum. Uh, and then the other, the other comment I have is this really shows the importance, the importance of the security of Ether, the asset. We have Ether, the asset, the market cap, roughly matching the value of all tokens outstanding on it. Now, we, that, I think that means we have plenty of room for more value of tokens. Uh, I think something like 20% versus 80%, um, 20% market cap of Ether versus 80% supply uh, market cap of the value of the tokens on top of Ethereum is about the right ratio. Uh, but, but you can't have something like 99 to 1 because that 1% of the value of Ether is securing the rest of the 99% of the value of the token. So there needs to be a balance there. Yeah, my, you know, my take on that last one is it also uh, depends on what sort of ERC-20 token it is. So some ERC-20 tokens are super crypto native and they settle completely on top of Ethereum. There's no oh, yeah. outside corollary. Whereas oh, other ERC-20 tokens, right, they are actually just representatives mm -hmm. of dollars in a bank account somewhere, right. say, or right. you know, stock certificates somewhere Not else. Not secured and by those, Ethereum. Not secured by Ethereum, so it's di different settlement, right? Like USDC is not completely settled on Ethereum. It's actually settled in a bank account somewhere, and Ethereum is just kind of the tokenized representation of that. So there's even more complexity there. But to your other point too, imagine doing all of this, but then also trying to add up all of the tokens on uh, various layer twos, which this doesn't even get into. Right, it's going to be quite the task to put all of this data together and to size the economy. But proportionally, you can see if you just take ETH right now and all of the ERC twenties, it's about the market cap of Bitcoin. Like that's, the economy size is the market cap of Bitcoin, right? 
Uh, anyway, super interesting. This is why we, th- we think these things are more than just money systems. They're economic systems. They're like, they have GDP, they have taxes. They're like, like digital nation states, decentralized digital nation states. And it's really cool to see the data coming out about that. Economies and, in uh, the cloud. Economies in the cloud. Um, this is cool, David. I, I just think I know we routinely go over kind of like why buying and holding is is the the best and uh, low time preference, paying y- your future self. But like holding is such a skill in crypto that people really need to develop. And why don't you read out this tweet because I think it proves that point. Yeah. So this is uh, this is uh, rug pulling the dollar as a frame of reference, and instead using iPhones and Ether to measure value. And so this is iPhone launch date costs in E. So we go like iPhone six, iPhone seven, iPhone eight, and then how much Ether it costs to buy those things at the day of the iPhone launch. Uh, so the iPhone six it costs you six hundred and ninety Ether to buy an iPhone six when it got released. iPhone seven it only costs you fifty two Ether. iPhone eight it only costs you two and a half. An iPhone ten three point three, and an iPhone eleven three. 3.7 to where we are today at iPhone 13, which is 0.24 Ether. So like it kind of shows Ether, Ether deflating. This is a deflationary asset. Granted, it only started actually deflating with EIP-1559 recently, but the demand for Ether and also the, the generalized promise of deflation in the future has made Ether a highly deflationary asset. This is that instantiated in a tweet. It's also kind of sad because now I'm regretting my iPhone 6 purchase. <laughs> yeah. I should have just bought ETH. <laughs> like, what the hell, really, man? Look at this. It's a really expensive iPhone, Ryan. <laughs> but this is really the way to look at it. It's all opportunity cost uh, when you denominate in something like ETH. And I think it's another, another lesson for us. Like, you don't have to be a brilliant trader in crypto in order to do well. All right? The verbs you need to know, the two verbs, the only two verbs you need to know, buy and hold. Two verbs you need to know, okay? Never sell. Leave the trading for later. Never sell. (laughs) Maybe the third might be stake, okay? So once you buy, once you hold, learn how to stake. And if you get real fancy, you could do stuff with like notional and Mm -hmm. you can start to lend and earn interest Mm -hmm. that way. But like trade, that's the advanced stuff. Like you don't even need to do that. That's that's a hobby. Trading is a hobby that you don't have to partake in. Stop buying iPhones, buy more ETH. (laughs) That's what I learned from it. Pretty soon it'll be denominated in just way. You know, if you weigh, you'll be able <laughs> to buy the iPhone 20. Uh, oh all right, David, we've got, we've got some more stuff to cover on the releases side of things. Of course, we're going to get to the hot news items. But before we do, we want to thank the sponsors that made this episode possible. If you're going bankless, you need MetaMask. This is your tool to unlock the world of DeFi without giving up custody over your private keys. MetaMask is both a secure in-browser wallet and also a secure bridge for your hardware wallet. You can now trade tokens on any DEX or aggregator. MetaMask Swap gathers real-time pricing information across all the DeFi exchanges, allowing you to select your best price while getting all the MetaMask benefits of self-custody, lower gas costs, and increased transaction success rates. MetaMask also has a fantastic mobile wallet that I use when I'm out and about, which I use to collect POAPs, NFTs, and do all my DeFi things while I'm away from home. If you haven't downloaded MetaMask, you gotta try it out. Web3 wouldn't be the same without it. Download MetaMask for desktop and mobile at metamask.io and load up your Trezor, Ledger, Lattice, or Keystone hardware wallets so that they too can get into the world of Web3. The Layer 2 era is upon us. Ethereum's Layer 2 ecosystem is growing every day, and we need L2 bridges to be fast and efficient in order to live a Layer 2 life. Across is the fastest and cheapest and most secure cross-chain bridge. With Across, you don't have to worry about the long wait times or high fees to get your assets back to the Layer 1. 
Assets are bridged and available for use almost instantaneously. Acrosis bridges are powered by UMA's optimistic Oracle to securely transfer tokens from layer two back to Ethereum. Across is critical ecosystem infrastructure and ownership is being handed over to the community. You can be a part of this story of Across by joining the Discord and becoming a co-founder and helping to design the fair fair launch of Across. If you want to bridge your assets quickly and securely, Go to across.to to bridge your assets between ETH, Optimism, Arbitrum, or Boba Networks. Bankless is proud to be sponsored by Uniswap. Uniswap is a new paradigm in asset exchange infrastructure. Instead of a cumbersome order book system where trades are matched with other humans, Uniswap is an autonomous piece of software on Ethereum that lets you trade any token at the current market price. No human counterparties or centralized intermediaries, just autonomous code on Ethereum input the token you want to sell and receive the token you want to buy. The Uniswap Grants Program is accepting applications for grants. Do you have something of value that you think you want to contribute to the Uniswap ecosystem? No matter how big or small your idea is, you can apply for a unique grant at uniswapgrants.org and help steer Uniswap in the direction that you think it should go. Thank you, Uniswap, for sponsoring Bankless. All right, guys, we are back with the heart releases of the week, David. We have to start here because uh, Bankless just released a new podcast. On it's my the favorite thing. Podcast Network. It's my favorite thing. Bankless released <laughs> yes. another podcast. <laughs> what is this one, David? This is Green Pill. This is Green Pill coming out of Kevin Owaki. Uh, and so Green Pill is all about regenerative crypto economics. Uh, regenerative crypto economics comes out of degenerative crypto economics. And so Kevin Owaki is obsessed with public goods and how we can make people's externalities in the world regenerative rather than, uh, you know, uh, re their externalities be positive rather than negative. Negative externalities are like when factories spew like carbon into the air or dump sewage in the water. That's a negative externality. How can we make social structures and social systems that have positive externalities? As in when we use them, the world actually gets better. It's like an upward spiral uh, of, of economics. And so Kevin Owaki is exploring this subject uh, with his grand, brand new podcast, Green Pill, which we are helping him produce out of the bankless ecosystem oh so, who's this guy right here vitalik buterin First. who just he this is his image of the talk that he just uh, gave here at at uh, at uh, shelling point nice. Uh, level so, 99 warlock <laughs> yeah exactly so that's the first podcast first podcast with Vitalik Buterin the warlock himself uh, and he's also got like eight other podcasts already lined up there's Carl Flores he's also got uh, Glenn Weil uh, and so I'm really excited for this podcast. Uh, it's really just true to the core of what it means to be crypto. Uh, and Kevin is also just a fantastic speaker, and I think he's going to become a fantastic podcast co podcast host. Um, and I'm excited to listen to it. I I think um, this is a good podcast to send to like your more collectivist minded uh, friends, right? Maybe people more on the kind of the traditional left, uh, anti-authoritarian left. Um, people because, who think crypto is hyper capitalist and don't want anything to do with it. Yes, and this is this is very, um, you know, it gets out of the fixed pie mindset that some people fall into in crypto where it's just like, let's just uh, grab as much crypto as we can and hide in our bunkers and let the world screw itself over, right? This is no, how do we enter the world and how do we improve it? So I think it's a good message for people uh, who need to hear that. And uh, Kevin gets really practical. I mean, there are projects right now that are that are helping uh, reduce climate change and th there, are, there are mechanisms that we can employ um, to, uh, to make the world a better place. So Kevin's gonna be covering all of that. Uh, what's the action item, David? Should people subscribe? 
how do they subscribe? Is that there, like RSS? There is, yeah, it's an RSS feed. You can type it into, uh, you can type Green Pill into Spotify or Apple or wherever you get your podcast. Ryan, I just sent you a link in Zoom. You can actually pull up a QR code so people watching on YouTube what? can just, uh, uh, yeah, in, in Zoom. Uh, so you can actually just scan this QR code uh, and it'll take you right to the podcast uh, wherever you want to subscribe to that. Uh, fancy magic right there. Uh, and, oh man, yeah, this so, reminds me of a Super Bowl ad, David. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Uh, so yeah, re- uh, subscribe to, to Green Pill. Also, if you want to do us a favor and give us a uh, give it a five star rating and review, uh, so we can get this thing bootstrapped, um, that'd be fantastic. Let's Green Pill the world, guys. Uh, that's Greenpill awesome. That's what crypto mm-hmm. can do. Um, all right. Ooh, Oops. I almost disclosed my me of the week. <laughs> 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 ignore that. Ignore that. Um, all right. So let's get back to the next item on the list, which is uh, Urbit. A layer two roll-up. Um, let me find the link here, David. Uh, what is Urbit, though, while I'm looking for that? Urbit is uh, a self-sovereign server. It's something like you can take a hard drive and pop it out of your computer, and then you can pop it into a different computer, and your same computer is like ready to go right out of the box. And there's much more to it than that. It's actually a very complicated subject, but it's, um, it's, a, it's a self-sovereign corner of the internet. It's a self-sovereign operating system that you can make for yourself. Uh, and so kind of like a, a MySpace page for the self-sovereign cryptographic age, where your MySpace page is actually like a hard drive, and it's also your computer at the same time. It's a crazy subject, actually. It's um, a crazy I, subject. It's super complicated as well. It, but but like the net of it is, um, it's trying to reduce reliance on AWS and all of the centralized servers and like redesign the internet. Uh, it's almost a new operating system for a decentralized internet, if you will. And what I remember from this project is Bitcoiners have historically been super excited about it. Um, as they should be, and I think any decentralization maximalist has been pretty excited about it. I haven't seen much you know, practical use of it yet, but maybe that's because the technology is still super early. But none of that's the news. The news here is that they are launching on a layer two rollup on top of Ethereum. So Urbit on a layer two rollup, David. What, uh, what's the tweet say? Yeah, it says uh, it's a technical triumph and it cuts, cuts, cuts gas costs by almost 200x, making planets more affordable and transaction fees nearly trivial. Planets is a urban uh, technical term. They use the like solar system terminology to describe um, to describe like the ecosystem. Like your, I think your server is a planet, for example. Uh, and so uh, they are now integrating uh, their their ecosystem with a layer two rollup. That's really cool to see. Uh, also launching this week is Lobby 3. So we had Andrew Yang on the podcast who was really advocating for crypto in Washington. And he said he was going to do something in the space. He said, you know, basically that classic line, if um, if you're not at the table, then you're on the menu, right? And referring to the crypto industry, how they needed to participate in Washington lobby uh, groups or not crypto would die, but like innovation in the U.S. would have a much harder time. Uh, and so he has launched a lobby group to actually bring the voice of Web3 to Washington, is what it says. And you can join as a member of this group. What's super cool here is, David, they've got membership levels. And of course, the, the proceeds go to the Lobby3 lobby effort, which is pro-crypto, pro Pro Web three making some actionable uh, differences, and the membership levels—they're all denominated in ETH. Love okay, it. so you could, you become a level one member at zero point zero seven ETH right now, and that gets you access um, to all sorts of various things: uh, Discord access, status updates, AMAs with Andrew Yang, events and merch, voting, and all of the proceeds go to a lobby group. It's really cool to see. 
actually politicians and lobbyists raising using crypto native tools right now using Ethos money. When uh, Andrew Yang came on our podcast and he said that he wanted to be the uh, the, pol the politician that represented the crypto industry and rep represented the Web3 industry, a lot of people said, yeah, he's just saying that for votes. Are you sure about that now? Yeah, are you sure? Because, like, look at this. Uh, Andrew Yang's also coming to ETH Denver. He's going to be here on Friday. So I'm going to take Andrew Yang to a party. It's going to be great. Uh, but, yeah, okay, but even people who complain about he's just saying that for votes. Mm -hmm. Okay. What do politicians he, like, do? We're Are you gonna, so upset? We're, I'm, we're going to give crypto-friendly politicians more votes. Right. Like, mm -hmm. that's what's going to happen. So mm -hmm. be a skeptic right. about right. what his true motivations are. Is you have to evaluate what he's doing and what this what organizations like this are doing on on their merits. Are they pushing a pro crypto pro Web three agenda forward or not? And if they are, again, they adopt crypto protocols, they adopt crypto values. But you're gonna party with Andrew Yang tonight? Is that what's happening? Uh, no, on Friday tonight is okay. Thursday night. So Friday, yeah, uh huh. Um, yeah, he's coming to East Denver, and he's gonna be just walking around with the rest of the Web three people. Um, I was talking to Carly Riley, host of Overpriced JPEGs, uh, and uh, Andrew Yang gets a lot of resistance uh, from other you know, people in the political sphere. Tribes, like, tribes, like oh, he's not like he's not Democrat enough, or oh, he's not this enough. But apparently, Andrew Yang just really vibes with the crypto folk, and the crypto folk really vibe with Andrew Yang. Uh, something about being like some sort of futurist, uh, we're, we're with shared values about like we all know the future's coming, uh, and crypto people know that, and Andrew Yang knows that, and so yeah, I'm I'm just very happy to have Andrew Yang on, on Team Web3. Look, man, I mean, what, what politician without speaking at an event actually comes as a, uh, as a kind of a yes, hobbyist right. mm -hmm. to a, an esoteric like mm -hmm. conference like this, right. you know, yeah. ETH Denver, that's pretty cool. I don't even think most of the people here know he's coming. I just know that because Carly told me. <laughs> just, he just signed up. Yeah. <laughs> hey, guys. Wait, is that Andrew Yang? What the hell? <laughs> that's exactly how that's it's going awesome. to go. All right, oh, what's is, uh, RAC really, doing? This is really cool. Okay, RAC. Uh, Andre, we read out his uh, tweet thread about why NFT skeptics uh, need to reconsider uh, last week. He's been in crypto for a very long time. He's released the RAC social token over a year ago, uh, and now he is introducing RAC OS as an operating system, version 0 0.1 at uh, website RAC.fm, a Web3 enabled portal for all RAC token holders. Uh, and so this is... Uh, RAC, I think, really giving a huge upgrade to his social token and the concept of social tokens at large. This is a portal. If you have his social token, you can go here and do things if you have the social token. And so he's giving utility to his social token. Uh, and I think it's really to, he's pioneering the way into what it means to issue a social token. Uh, that's really, really cool. Really, really cool. Super smart guy. Grammy award winning artist. You probably listened to a bunch of his music. He's like a collaborator on, you know, if, tons of fantastic things over the years. And uh, yeah, this is, look, this is the birth of social tokens. It comes from creators creating new experiences like this and experiments like this. It's super cool to see. Another if you one. Want, if you want to learn more, we did a Meet the Nation with uh, RAC a little bit, uh, like almost a year ago, it feels like. Uh, so that is yeah. on the Bankless YouTube. Well, it feels like we should have him back on to explain mm -hmm. some of this too. Uh, mm -hmm. Another experiment that's going on in the Bankless DAO world, I saw this launch last week, is the Bankless Academy. All right, so this is uh, the ability to start your Bankless journey 
Bankless Academy is on a mission to introduce 1 billion people to the exciting possibilities of cryptocurrency. So basically, it's a way to connect your wallet, go through various tutorials like Wallet Basics, for example, intro to DeFi, all of these various lessons, and earn things at the end of them. So whether you're earning a badge at first or maybe in the future like tokens or specialized NFTs, Again, this is an example of crypto pays you to learn about crypto. And this literally is what is happening at the Bankless Academy. It's still in beta, just launched, but a great concept to see coming out of Bankless DAO. This website is sick. It looks super sick. Right? And this this is know. the very kernels of how we disrupt universities. Universities, in my opinion, have devolved into just fake credentialism and, uh, you know, if you want to get really on the end of things, extortion out of students. The new universities of the Web3 digital age are online courses that establish legitimacy with employers and, and uh, uh, yeah, employers. And then you can go and show it's like, yo, I've done every single lesson in the Bankless Academy. Look at the tokens that I have on chain to prove that credential that I have. Uh, and so this is a new type. This is literally decentral decentralizing the concept of a university. Uh, Bankless Academy is like pioneering this path. They're not going to be the only ones to do this. Any sort of like domain of knowledge can have some sort of on-chain Web3 cre credentialism based on some sort of course. And if that course is good, the builders of that course is good, their tokens will be more desirable to have in your wallets to prove that you know what the course offers. So really cool stuff. It's funny. I mean, what else is a university diploma, right? It's, yeah, it's like pre-tokenized. Pre it's a cr credential. It's something you're given in, in real life. And those are traditional credentials. Maybe the diploma of the future is a collection of badges and something like this. Uh, yeah, really cool to see how that develops. Um, David, let's get on to the raises section. This is another group that is doing something similar. Rabbit Hole. They are paving the path to Web3 contributors. Uh, as well, they've got sort of a, an academy where you can earn things by uh, taking lessons. And they just raised $18 million from a set of VCs. Really cool to see uh, that get funded, the Series A. Rabbit Hole is another. We've done a lot of articles on, on Rabbit Hole in the past at Bankless. And I encourage folks that are trying to learn, trying to level up in the space to go check out what they are up to. Any, uh, any, else, any other thoughts on that, David? Exactly what I was just saying. Like this, this is this is a new thing. Well, not a new thing. This is a, a, a new path of, of Web three getting explored by both Bankless DAO and Rabbit Hole. Uh, and look, eighteen million dollar raise. Uh, the, people people are taking this seriously. Congrats to Rabbit Hole. Uh, another big raise is the Rainbow Wallet, which we've talked about in the past. NFT focused wallet. Uh, it raised. Let's see. What are the numbers here? Big numbers. I think uh, somewhere in the article. Mm -hmm. 18, 18 million dollars another 18 million dollars yeah and led by reddit co-founder alexis ohanian and his venture firm uh 776 we are actually having alexis on the podcast sometime in march and record with him going to talk about this and the other things he's up to in the space uh while it's getting funded as well and uh what's this david open sea with a venture arm that's what's next what's this about yeah, OpenSea Ventures. Uh, so, like, apparently, when you raise hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars, you actually can't figure out what to do with it other than reinvest it into the ecosystem. <laughs> uh, so, yes. an NFT grant uh, 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 grants program coming out of OpenSea. So, it's it's actually just genius. Like, they built they built OpenSea in order to inspire a, a, a bull market in NFTs because of OpenSea, basically. And now they have all this money because of all their success. And now they are just sending that money back into 
into the ecosystem and or because they need to you know bootstrap more products so that it's it's so circular it's just such a great move nice flywheel uh, nice flywheel nice and it, mm -hmm. it does seem like OpenSea. i mean coinbase has uh had venture set up for a long time many years it does seem like OpenSea is, is trying to be sort of the the coinbase of nfts uh, and expanding into the space to, to take that market share. Um, this is Circle, the creators of USDC and other things. They just had a valuation in a SPAC deal of $9 billion. Pretty impressive valuation. So many unicorns in crypto. I don't know. We have dozens at least by now. Um, any other thoughts on this? Yeah, I don't know too much about SPACs, uh, so I, should, I probably shouldn't comment. But $9 billion is a lot, so congrats to Circle. Yeah, big valuation. Uh, guys, as soon as we conclude the raise section, we have to ask the question, what are these companies going to do with all of their money? The question oh, you I just asked, David. Next. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what comes I next? Think. Get a job. Get a job in crypto. <laughs> it's time to get a job. Look get at all that money. Get a job in crypto. Get a job all in that money. money, it has to go mm -hmm. somewhere. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's looking for talent, right? Crypto is building itself out. This is the early internet. The skills you develop in crypto now will be used by these companies and they will pay you for the, those skills, both salary roles, jobs and DAOs, all sorts of things. A great way to get plugged in is at the Bankless job board. That's at bankless.palette.com slash jobs. I'm going to read out a few, David. Don't have time to read them all out, but senior product engineer, moment ranks, community manager, DYDX, a governance growth lead at DYDX, business operations and finance associate, DYDX, marketing associate, DYDX, an accountant, smart DeFi, a web three engineer, Goldfinch, a senior go rust engineer, Syndica, smart contract lead, star X. There's even more. If you want to just passively explore these opportunities, you can submit your profile to the bank bankless talent collective and Talent seekers will go find you. Mm -hmm. Ryan, I actually, I actually want you to go back to the to the uh, jobs board and go down to the maker jobs because oh, you want to you want to keep dancing. I, I want to keep. I, well, no, I want to read these out. Actually, there, well, there's actually only two of them: operations manager at MakerDAO and lead financialist at, 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 analyst at MakerDAO. Uh, MakerDAO was just at a MakerDAO party last night. Uh, MakerDAO is making some moves in this space. There's going to be a bunch more jobs coming, I believe, onto this job board. So those who are interested in Maker uh, and want, want to lead Maker into this version of the sub-DAOs and working for the sub-DAOs, uh, stay tuned for all those jobs coming out of MakerDAO coming soon. Meanwhile, people behind you are like, who's this crazy guy and why is he dancing? Why is he dancing? On webcam? Yeah, what the hell? Well, we do have an OnlyFans update, but this is not that. <laughs> it's not oh, that. God. <laughs> maybe that. Maybe that joke gets cut. <laughs> no, uh, no, 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 it doesn't. Let's move to news, guys. Top Super Bowl ads. David, let's give our rundown of the top mm -hmm. Super Bowl ads because crypto had a bunch of ads. People are calling this the crypto bull. Crypto That's what bull. we predicted. I think we predicted like seven-ish. Or so, and that's around the number that had crypto in it, mentioned crypto. But uh, I want to get your ranking on the top crypto ads. I know you saw some of these live, others you didn't, but you watched afterwards. Give us the ranking, man. What were the best ads? Yeah, so in my opinion, coming in at number one is FTX with their Don't Miss Out featuring Larry David. And it's basically <laughs> uh, just a, a speed run through history of all the technologies that have changed humanity. The wheel, the light bulb, indoor plumbing, uh, even more stuff than that I can, I can remember. And every single time it's Larry David in like different outfits going like, eh, that's not going to work. Uh, and it's a, very, it's a very entertaining ad. It was easy to watch. The production was fantastic. And, you know, I, there 
there were so many probably like groups of people, families, friends, where like there was a mix of maybe the kids were pro-crypto and the adults were anti-crypto. And like all the family were, were watching this ad and like all the anti-crypto people had to watch this ad and be like, oh, I'm Larry David. I'm the one that thinks that it's not going to work. And so it, this was not only a very entertaining, entertaining advertisement, but it was just putting to shame all the naysayers about crypto, saying like, you're the, you're the person that's holding us back about this brand new technology. The positive PR that we got out of this uh, advertisement, I think was super, super good. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. One. I totally agree. Yeah, like somebody's going in there and saying, oh, dad, that's you. That's you. Yeah, you're, that's you. You're, you're Larry, Larry David, David. It's in yeah. this commercial. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, number two, let's, let's, what's your pick for number two, David? Number two is the Coinbase QR code, which is like, I think I've had this idea of this, this uh, uh, advertisement for a while. So it's just like, what happens if you just post, put a link or a QR code on screen? Wait, they stole and, your idea, David? Yeah, they, that was, I had this idea first. Uh, and so, <laughs> you know, the, D, the rainbow DVD, like screensaver where the DVD moves around the screen? Classic, That's what they did, yeah. but with a QR code. And it was so successful that it crashed the app within minutes. Uh, and they, they got so many signups. Uh, and, and, and Pretty so, like, ballsy. They, Pretty ballsy, but like also, it's just like think of like they paid 14 million for this advertisement, but they had to pay zero to actually produce it. Whereas FTX probably had to pay something like tens to twenties of millions of dollars to yeah, produce the actual, yeah, right. And so, like Coinbase, this is like a ten dollar advertisement. All they had to do is pay for the time. Uh, and if you, I think it might be coming up next, Ryan, but if you wait, the QR code actually does oh go my God. up to, is that to the corner. It's gonna, yeah, it's gonna happen. Please, yeah, please, 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 please. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course, they do it at the very end. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's that's why Coinbase that's came in at number two. And those were, in my opinion, like the number one and number two advertisement were like very far in the lead and the three and four were kind of meh. I didn't know. So I saw this live and I was like, QR code. Should I, should I do it? Should I do it? And I did it. And I was like, Oh, Coinbase. Gotcha. And what it does, <laughs> it, it prompts you uh, to set up a Coinbase account and it gave you like $15 worth of Bitcoin or something. So it's just mm -hmm. like a immediate account sign up for them. Um, some people weren't fans, right? Some of the like non-crypto people were like, felt it was a little weird or, or scammy. But um, you'll get to maybe those takes later. The, the third was what, David? What's number, coming in, clocking in number three? eToro, which is emphasizing its social trading. And so it was a bunch of people all floating off into the sky, grabbing other people to go with them because we're all going to the moon together. I kind of liked it because it had uh, We All Gonna Make It vibes. Also, there was a tip of the hat to a bored ape. There was a tip of the hat to Doge. Uh, Frank Sinatra's Fly Me to the Moon was playing in the background. It wasn't specifically about crypto, but it just had like good crypto references uh, with big wag me culture built into it. So, you know, coming in at number three. Nice vibes, good metaverse vibes as well. Number four was this from Crypto. Oh, I spoil it. Who is this from? Number four, Crypto.com featuring Le LeBron James. And basically, I didn't really get this one. Like, it was basically LeBron James and somebody else. I actually don't know. Talking about how, like, should I do it? Should I not do it? And LeBron James is like, you got to do it because fortune favors the bold. And then boom, Crypto.com. And so, like, yeah, crypto, like, fortune favors the bold. You got to take risks. But, like, the advertisement had nothing to do with crypto. It was just about Le LeBron James. I think maybe it's he might be talking four. to a, a kid version of himself. I don't really know. Uh, whatever. Yeah, but, you know, the cool part is it's LeBron James. And so yeah. anything that he endorses, mm -hmm. he's got a fan base that's going to go check it out. So you get some brand so. association. Crypto.com so. is doing uh, Matt Damon earlier as well. So mm -hmm. they're pulling in the celebs here. Right. Um, a ton of honorable mentions as mm -hmm. well. Like Bud Lights had nouns in them. Uh, meta. What was this? Uh, what meta, is, what it was, is Meta? It was a, 
Oh, Meta, Facebook. Facebook. Yeah, it wasn't a crypto ad. It was just uh, advertising the Oculus Quest. But you all know, we all know that at the end of the at the end of Meta is a bunch of crypto stuff once they finally get there. Yeah, uh, it's really cool to see. Um, what were some of the uh, the reactions you heard? Because he- here's one I heard from like non crypto people. Uh, crypto people were, of course, very excited about this. But um, I-, I read a tweet like the morning after saying, "Oh my God, crypto is thirsty at the Super Bowl." Uh, like these takes, like if crypto was so great and there's so much money to be made in crypto, why does the industry need to run Super Bowl ads? Why does it need to even advertise itself? And what, what's funny to me is I feel like uh, Larry David answered that same question in the FTX advertisement, which is like an answer to all of the skeptics. Some people are seriously going to be skeptical of crypto all the way to $100 trillion, David. Like, they're just going to not believe it, and it, it's, it's going to cost them like money. Like We have more traction, and crypto is so much more de-risked than it was like three years ago, five years ago. And there's a certain segment of the population, they're just, I, guess, I don't know, born to be late adopters? I don't know, can't get past some of their objections to actually dig into the space and ask the question of, of why you know, uh, 60, 70 million Americans now hold crypto, why, what, what it's doing in the space. Uh, it's always going to be skeptics, I suppose. Any other thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, the, the big takeaway I have is crypto is about money. Like, it's an industry about money. So, of course, we have the money to pay for Super Bowl ads. And also, when all of these big gargantuan companies run Super Bowl ads, it does a favor to the entire industry. And eventually, it gets more people to buy more crypto assets, which makes this, the crypto assets go up in price, which funds our ability to make more Super Bowl ads. So yeah, well, that's the criticism, the though. That's the criticism, though, David, that it's just uh, they're trying to get you into their pyramid scheme. You know, the, the, Ponzi, the Ponzi game, and that's yeah, why they're advertising like, so if hard. If you squint hard enough, everything's a Ponzi scheme at the end of the day, or Ponzi game. <laughs> Anyways. Thank you. Most people don't squint is the problem. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's Look, he, here's another big thing. After the Super Bowl Huge. ads, I think this is the other big thing of the week. So the SEC just fined BlockFi for $100 million. And this is a combination, some goes to the Fed, like 50 million, some goes to the states. Just some context. So BlockFi is a centralized crypto lending provider. So you can lend money to BlockFi, um, you can lend your crypto to BlockFi, and you can also earn interest on BlockFi. And if you uh, do it through USDC, the rates are something like eight to 9%, like very high. Um, You can't get these types of interest returns in a traditional bank account, of course. Now, last summer, the the SEC famously blocked Coinbase from issuing their Coinbase Lend product, which was a similar product. And Coinbase said, hey, hold on, BlockFi's doing it, everyone else is doing it, why are you telling us we can't do it? And uh, they eventually decided to you know, to withdraw that product entirely. Um, So now the SEC is coming after BlockFi in a heavy-handed way, a $50 million uh, fine to them and $100 million total to the states. And so when I first saw this, uh, like the question in my mind is, oh my God, what does this settlement mean? Is this the end of centralized crypto lending? It's not, and we're going to get into that. But anything else we should include in this story at the high level before we get into some of the details? Um, no, I think you covered it pretty well. I don't have anything else to say. Well, so here's, uh, I guess, the, the take yeah. um, that I was questioning. Is, is this BlockFi settlement on Friday, the end of centralized crypto lending in the U.S.? Interested in your thoughts. A bunch of people reached out to me, crypto lawyers and such, and BlockFi gave their take. And they actually spun this as a big win, 
big win for BlockFi. They called this a landmark resolution with federal and state regulators. So $100 million seems like a massive fine for this sort of thing. But the flip side, says BlockFi, is we are getting clarity on a pathway for crypto interest securities. So what BlockFi has done, I believe, is anyone who had a, a crypto interest account still gets to keep their crypto interest account. Right now, they are not allowing new signups on the crypto interest account. So they've disbanded all, all new signups in the US, um, but they will transition those crypto interest accounts to a SEC approved version of the same interest account. And I don't think this is quite an ETF. It's it's uh, something something different. But on the other side of this, what it will allow them to do is offer an SEC approved interest earning product to all Americans. And what the SEC gets out of this, what they wanted out of it, was more investor transparency, which I actually think is a great thing, particularly for centralized lending providers. Like, what is BlockFi actually doing with the funds in order to generate that return? It's not DeFi, so we can't see it on chain, so it should be transparent. So there's actually more than a silver lining. I actually do think that this is good news for crypto. I 100% agree that the net outcome of this will be positive. My big qualms with this is that there's always, with crypto, there's always like the first through the door phenomenon where if you're the first one through the door, you are the one that gets shot. Uh, and so BlockFi got fined with $100 million. $100 million, we as an industry, thanks to BlockFi, so thank you BlockFi, we just finally just paid off the SEC $100 million to get clarity. That's how much clarity costs, $100 million. And so this is why yes. people, the, the more radical takes of the world, think that the SEC is just this extortionary uh, agency out of, the, out of the government who's like, oh, you want clarity before, if we don't send you to jail, pay us $100 million and then we'll give you clarity. Um, I mean, BlockFi ate the fine and now we have clarity. Uh, and so we get to progress forward and, and take the W, but it costs, for that W, it costs us $100 million. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that is a good take. So net, 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 this is good news for crypto. I think it's good news for US investors, but, th but there is some, some downside with it, right? So one is what you said, like if you're trying to compete against a, uh, a BlockFi, look, the SEC just made the startup costs even higher, right? So it's kind of creating this incumbent industry. Um, the Which other lesson what I regulation think does, that's what the SEC does. They just create incumbents. You know, on the flip side of this, like, uh, investors in these products and uh, purchasers of these products could use some additional transparency. So that, that I guess is the good side, maybe the, the counterbalance. But one lesson it teaches crypto is like never ask for permission. Yeah. You can't. We learned that, that from Uber. That, Uber taught us that lesson. Don't ask for permission. You have to go do it and then you have to blitz scale so you're large enough to pay these exorbitant fees or you're never going to make it. Um, the other question to me is, and this is maybe the more concerning bit, so we'll see, what does the SEC do with DeFi now? All right, because we got, we got DeFi lending, right, which is trustless, we would say. It's on-chain, it's verifiable, so you could see the assets, you could see the risk profile. But is the SEC coming for DeFi next? And what's their action going to be in, in the territory of DeFi? The, the other concern I have is, of course, the US now has completely different rules. So BlockFi can operate in all of these other countries like as they had been before, but now the U.S. has this very specific carve-out regulatory apparatus. And of course, um, it wasn't Congress that passed the law. It was like the SEC kind of passing a law. So, I mean, we had our conversation with um, 
uh, the congressman, yeah, Tom Emmer earlier this week. And it's, it's just a little bit like Congress, come get your boy. You know, like <laughs> they, like they shouldn't be the ones mm-hmm. creating these essentially, the you know, yeah. pseudo laws. They shouldn't they be enforce creating rules. The they laws. don't create rules. Right. So like legislative branch, get it together. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Regulators should not be legislating this and taking bribes, mm-hmm. right, uh, in order to like move these things forward. That's not the way this industry should work. And it's up to Congress to take some action right. to rein some of these regulators in. And that's what Tom Emmer was saying in our conversation with him earlier this week. Yeah, no, that, they, these, these are all the right takes. And I think this is going to be something that's unpacked for the next few weeks. So uh, anyways, once again, thank you to BlockFi for taking the bullet through the door. Yeah, and uh, let's, let's, let's move on to some other nation state actions while we're on it. So um, Trudeau in Canada, they're having some problems with tr- protesters these days. There is a, uh, you know, a convoy, convoy COVID protest going on in Ottawa, going on in Canada. What caught my attention is not necessarily that protest, but on the back of this, there is now a mandate from Trudeau and those in power in Canada to freeze protesters' bank accounts. Absolutely ridiculous. This is, this is qualming freedom of speech. Whatever you want to speech about, whatever you, have, whatever you want to talk about, you have that freedom of speech because we value freedom of speech. They are uh, freezing bank accounts to people that are expressing speech. That's crazy. It has That's a nuts. lot of downstream effects. So regardless of your opinion on the protest, and you know, Bankless isn't here to take one side or the other on the protest, um, I think like here's here's the quote with no need for a court order this is from the bbc reporting banks will be able to freeze personal accounts of anyone linked with the protest anyone linked with the protest freeze your personal bank account okay and the take is this time it's their protest maybe you're not protesting maybe you don't care about this next time it's yours mm-hmm. what if it was a crypto protest david right. they right. started freezing bank accounts what if it was a well, free speech actually, protest those people would be okay <laughs> <laughs> right yeah. but like I mean, what if it was something that, um, uh, that, that you care deeply about? Right. What if next time it's about like um, runaway inflation right. and like the labor market and like mm-hmm. energy costs soaring and you know, mm-hmm. something else the that the population wants? The price of food. Wants. Government shouldn't be able to freeze people's bank accounts without yeah. a court order, without due process. Yeah. Go- taking- governments and politics should not be intervening in finance and money. Those are separate concepts, and the, go- and the, the government is using the banking system to silence political dissent. That should not be happening ever. It should not be happening ever. And, you know, people will say, well, the protesters did this and they did that. Like, let's just talk about the precedent Zoom that out. this sets. Zoom, all right? out. Zo- Zoom out. Let's talk about the precedent this sets. And you know what? What's interesting to me, David, is uh, crypto is not impervious here. So the finance ministers and the financial regulators uh, in Canada are actually, it's being reported, blockading certain crypto wallets. So they are coming up with, um, th- there was a, a fundraise going on in Bitcoin, uh, 34 different crypto addresses that contributed to this, this fundraise are now being uh, blacklisted by FinTrack, which is Canada's FinCEN financial authorities. And so what that basically means, David, is like if you're a crypto bank, you know, ex- your exchange or something operating in Canada, and you receive a notice from FinTrack, hey, don't receive deposits from any of these accounts. Uh, don't let any of these accounts withdraw anything. They're being blacklisted then you have to abide by that or it's illegal. Right. They're treating you as if you exploited some contract for billions of dollars. Like, th- that's the same treatment. So, right. uh, okay, that's a big problem. 
And of course, is the reason, I think, David, uh, for the bankless movement. This is the reason for DeFi. This is also the reason that Bitcoin can't solve all of our problems. If it's just Bitcoin and the only thing you can do on Bitcoin is just move money from one place to another and you can't trade, you can't actually convert to other assets, uh, you can't lend, you can't borrow, and the entire banking system is uh, like built on top of centralized custodian banking, we got a real problem. And that's why we need DeFi. That's why we need Uniswap. It's unstoppable protocol for trading. That's why we need lending and borrowing protocols. That's why we need layer two, so we can transact with low gas fees. Like that's why we need DeFi. I've always felt like, and I think this is you know continued proof that just having a non-sovereign store of value without scalability at the base layer and without decentralized finance doesn't actually produce a new financial system. It's like just more of the same because there's all of these choke points and the existing bankers and the existing government structures will squeeze the necks of these choke points until it starts to resemble the exact same system we came away with. That's my takeaway. That's exactly right. I think this next story highlights what some of the government regulator response is going to be to this sort of thing. Uh, Treasury official says stablecoin issuers must be banks to ensure security, to ensure financial stability. Some representatives, however, said the move would crowd crypto-native stablecoin issuers out of the market. Uh, yes, it would. But that is Treasury's answer. Just everyone become a bank. Let's go back to the old system. Same, same story here. This, this is what we're seeing with regulation. Regulation is pulling as much of crypto as they can into their fold. Um, but also at the same time, the, the, what makes me optimistic is that at the same time, crypto is getting better at more stuff. We have so many more products and that's allowing us to be more crypto native while also appeasing regulators at the same time. They're never going to get like the wonderland stuff of the world under their fold, the Anon developers of the world. That's, that's strictly going to be crypto native, but they're going to put like Circle and all, you know, Tether and they're going to bring those under the fold. And maybe that's enough. Maybe that's enough. Yeah. And I do think that the the big story here is that uh, world governments have moved beyond ignore crypto. That was the first decade in crypto. It was just like, ignore, it's not going to happen, too volatile, it's, you know, it's stupid, it'll never work. Now they're in the camp of getting educated and actually uh, starting to do things in crypto. And that'll be a double-edged sword. Sometimes it will be good, sometimes it will be bad. An influential policy body uh, just warned, this is the FSB. They are compiled, I believe, of the, the IMF. It's sort of a you know, nation-state regulator body. Uh, they just warned that DeFi may shake the stability of the global financial system. They put together a report. I read some of it. Their section on DeFi is kind of interesting. You can see them getting super educated on DeFi. They talk about the, the privacy, which, which could be sort of a, a threat and concern from a you know, state surveillance perspective. They talk about the per permissionless nature of DeFi protocols. They very much don't want DeFi to exist. Like they would rather it not exist, but now that it's here, they all have to grapple with what they're going to do about it. And they're still in the phase of infancy where they're just, they're moving from ignore and now they're getting educated on it. And we'll see what comes next. I feel like much of this though, David, is um, incumbent protection. That's maybe what the S uh, FSB and IMF are primarily concerned with is not world financial stability. It's financial, like it's stability of the incumbents, it's the <laughs> existing control system that they most care about. The, and this is just a meeting in the middle. Like crypto is making nation states move closer to crypto stuff by making them compromise. We saw that with the SEC. And then also the nation state is using their powers to make crypto compromise to nation state regulation. So there's a meeting in the middle.
but also meanwhile. we still get our crypto native stuff. That's right. And meanwhile, we're getting some uh, big adoption uh, as well. So Twitter just added Ethereum wallet support to its wow. tipping feature. You, and that comes I never thought I'd of, see the day. Well, Jack leaving Twitter, yeah. do you think that's related as all, uh, at course, all? Of absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so as soon as Jack, the CEO of Twitter, left, all of a sudden Twitter started rolling out all of these NFT features. Now there's a, a feature for Ethereum uh, tipping. Some people are like, well, it's stupid because ETH gas prices are too high. But of course, you could implement this with any ETH address across any EVM compatible chain, whether that's a side chain with lower gas fees or a layer two, which is obviously the future. Uh, and uh, it's cool to see Twitter adding this now, not just being kind of ETH maximalist blinders about this yeah. entire space. I'm still kind of skeptical as the the whole tipping use case. Um, like, uh, tipping and Twitter, like, does that really go hand in hand? It well, could be. It I could mean, be people, a building block. It could be a building block for something better. It's something, but like, people don't even tw- uh, tip in U.S. dollars on right. Twitter. Right. Like, like, why would they do so right. in crypto? Right. It's probably just you know, a bad product market fit. It's kind right. of like, um, you know, buying Starbucks with your, with your cryptos. Like that's the last thing that'll come. Right. Uh, David, let's get to some NFT stuff. Why don't NFT we leave with this? Yeah. What's this? Oh gosh. OnlyFan launches verified NFT profile pictures. My, my, uh, take on this is that this is coming off of the heels of Irene Dow, the, uh, the, the Dow that the, the Irene kicked made. Kicked off the Simfy season? K- k- kicked off, kicked off Simfy season. And then also OnlyFans was like, oh, Twitter verified NFTs, Irene Dow, there's something here for us. Uh, and so <laughs> now they're like, OnlyFans is just generating like bajillions in revenue, uh, is using NFTs. NFTs, uh, probably to help their customers, their, their clients, uh, uh, get more money from their viewers, from their users. Um, like, NF, like OnlyFans is about taking money from customers who want to see stuff, uh, and then NFTs just make that even more expressive, I guess? Like, we'll see where this goes. Look, OnlyFans are creators after a fashion, yeah, so this yeah, is the cre- right. creator yeah. economy uh, once again. Uh, mm-hmm. David, what's happening in the CryptoPunk world? CryptoPunk, the biggest CryptoPunk sale ever for 8,000 Ether, $23.7 million, an an alien CryptoPunk. The owner of this CryptoPunk owned this, I think bought this CryptoPunk in something like 2018 for like a couple Ether or so. So like, we can can verify that on chain. I don't know if those numbers are right, but I think bought it in like 2018 for like two or three or four ETH or something. So, you know, a very casual like 4,000 X in ETH terms. While Ether went from $100 to $4,000 or $3,000, where it is now. Uh, so GG to the seller. GG. Uh, most impressive trade I've seen this year. I can safely say that. Exactly um, what Ryan said. The best thing you can do in crypto is hold. <laughs> well, it's, it, it's also another thing, which is like, are NFTs a good way to generate ETH-denominated returns? If you buy the right mm-hmm. NFTs, that could be a strategy. Right. Um, MFers, huh? Yeah. How about well, them MFers? I don't know. What's, what's the next CryptoPunk, David? You tell me. <laughs> oh God! I, well, don't make me don't make me say that. But I mean, I've got my money where my mouth is. Um, size of the NFT market, though, okay, is only one percent of crypto's two trillion dollar industry. This is a really cool board with uh, it's called NFT Go, which shows you the the NFT market cap, which I've never seen before, is about sixteen uh, billion dollars. I'm not sure what this all this includes, but still a tiny fraction of crypto's market cap size and a lot of room for growth here in collectibles. And it just goes to show how loud NFTs are. How, like, NFTs have completely changed the entire conversation about what crypto is and has generated so much love and so much hate. 
and it's just $17 billion. DeFi, like the ERC-20 market cap that we were looking at e earlier, is like $400 billion, and no one talks about DeFi. It's the loudness of NFTs off $16 billion of market cap is insane. Yeah, punching way above their weight class from a cultural <laughs> presence perspective, mm -hmm. way right. above their market cap and weight class, right. but also mm -hmm. like so much room to grow here if totally. it's only 1%. Um, Let's move to some Bitcoin stuff. Fidelity is launching a Bitcoin ETP. I believe this is, uh, this is in Europe, and this is kind of like an ETF equivalent for, for those in the US. That's what an ETP essentially is. And it's going to be the cheapest crypto ETP in the world at fees of 75 bips, so less than 1%, which compares quite nicely to G GBTC, which is in the US over here, 2% management fees if you're getting into that product. Any thoughts? Uh, no thoughts. No thoughts. We still need our Bitcoin native ETF and then our Ether ETF. And it would be nice if the SEC weighed in on that uh, sometime soon. But I um, feel like I've been waiting for that forever. Uh, David, in altcoin stuff or alt layer two things, uh, Terra just signed a $40 million deal with the MLB uh, for the Washington Nationals. This is a sponsorship deal, getting crypto into the sports scene yet again. Any thoughts? Uh, I mean, this is, we've seen this before. We've seen it again. Like, like there's only so many sports teams and MLB leagues and sports leagues that like crypto can buy. And so far we're doing all of them. It's kind of funny to me though. There's, there's an element of like, is it weird for like layer ones to advertise? Is it weird for protocols yes. to advertise a little bit? Like if you, if TCP you're IP never had to advertise. Yeah. If you're a decentralization maxi, then yes, it is weird that layer ones are, are buying sports teams and, and advertising deals. I do think it's normal for layer twos. I do think yes. it's normal for execution yeah. layers. So I expect yeah. the Arbitrums of the world and the mm -hmm. Starkwares of the world to follow suit uh, at some point in the future. There was also a big vulnerability this week in right. Coinbase and uh, a near, near miss, near disaster, near catastrophe. Update us on that, David. Yeah, so this tweet went out from Tree of Alpha, who uh, said, anyone, can, can anyone here get me a direct line with someone at Coinbase, preferably management team or pref possibly Brian Armstrong himself? I'm submitting a HackerOne report, but I'm afraid this can't wait. Can't say anymore either. This is a, 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 a potentially market nuking. Like, asking for Brian Armstrong's attention on Twitter is like, everyone wants Brian Armstrong's attention on Twitter, but for, and no one really knew why. Uh, but this tweet circled around, like, and everyone in Discord and, and Telegram- You gotta like, take it seriously. You gotta take it seriously. Uh, and so I, this is a little bit outside of my technical capacity, but what, that, what I think happened was that uh, as, after this tweet happened, Coinbase paused advanced trading uh, so they, they had the advanced trading features, uh, and uh, and so they paused all trading on that. Under and they said technical problems, uh, and then moments later it had been resolved. Uh, so it didn't take that long. What I think happened was that a, a technical glitch in the Coinbase system servers, I don't know, was allowing people to enter trades that shouldn't have been, or or just make trades uh, that with with fake prices. And maybe Coinbase had this exploit where these, these trades would go through. And so what that means, the, the market nuking aspect of this is a lot of oracles in DeFi use Coinbase as their price feed. And when you can submit fake trades with fake prices into the system, right. like it's not, you're not, they're not being able to buy like Ether or Bitcoin for not at the right prices. You might have uh, just, Coinbase might be reporting bad prices to the rest of DeFi. And that's what have, could have caused cascading liquidations. Uh, this, this hacker, 
uh, uh, not hacker, like white hat hacker, I guess, uh, found it and raised the alarm and Coinbase answered the call and fixed it in a moment of minutes and apparently saved us all from a black swan event. So thank you, I guess. Wow. <laughs> Collective <laughs> sigh of release. Important yeah. to note that th this wasn't like um, a hack of Coinbase's custody solutions, no, right? So not it's at cold all. storage or even it's hot storage. It's, uh, it's their, their order, order book. book. It's their order book. Yes, yeah. which, uh, which could have been bad too. Uh, Binance, in another crypto bank news, Binance is removing its name from the blockchain ecosystem, formerly called Binance Chain. It's now being called BNB Chain, which is a, a little branding exercise, I think, to sort of separate Binance the exchange from the, I guess, um, like the control or the, the perception of control mm -hmm. that Ownership, they are the yeah. ones behind. Yeah, uh, even though it probably doesn't change anything fundamentally. Right. I mean, Binance still runs BNB Chain, don't they? Yeah, the the last like three things we've talked about Binance on the last three rollups have all been like PR and branding things. So that's that's interesting. Yes, uh, we are maybe some point having CZ on the podcast. Be yeah. a good question for him. Mm -hmm. um, like, what's real? What's decentralization theater? Right. Um, that's probably not an alluring question for him to bring him on, but that's a question that I have in my head. Uh, David, another thing that's interesting is all of the banks that are now investing in crypto blockchain companies. That's why. I, at some level, I feel like it's too late for the IMF. It's too late for regulators. Like, even their banks are capitulating. It's like, guys, you're supposed to be our friends. You're supposed to be the insiders. And you guys are offering crypto products and uh, buying up equity in crypto companies, too. This is a list. Look at this massive list of all of these banks that are now in crypto, in blockchain. They now have investment offerings. ING, UBS. BBVA, MUFG, whatever that is, Citibank, Barclays, JP Morgan, BlackRock, all of them. Mm -hmm. The banks are here. Right. The, my take here is this is a reverse Moloch or Moloch for good, where like because one of these banks is getting into crypto and generating revenue and making money from all the crypto offerings, all of the banks have to offer crypto. And when all of the banks have to offer crypto, then everyone is easily onboarded to crypto. And then when everyone's easily onboarded to crypto, we no longer need banks anymore. Uh, and so like Moloch is forcing all the banks to uh, uh, like accept and offer crypto products, just legitimizing this bankless industry. If you don't understand Moloch or don't know what it is, listen to Slaying Moloch episode. It's a very foundational concept. It's about coordination. Um, but this is a uh, Moloch for good. This is game theory at play, right? Yeah. It's basically mm -hmm. what you're saying too. And more, game more theory less, forces yeah. them mm -hmm. all into crypto. Um, something was we funny. predicted yeah. last mm -hmm. week, David, just happened. What just mm -hmm. happened? Yeah, so the insane lunatics who uh, connect, uh, uh, hacked the 2016 Bitfinex hack and then tried to become like internet rappers, uh, Netflix has already greenlit a series on this. Um, and so they, the article says- the, oh, It's a Tiger King type movie. Yeah, well, they, they, Netflix is giving the Bitcoin heist a couple the Tiger King treatment, which is, I guess, some sort of like crazy people doing crazy stuff, but we're gonna make a movie about it. So uh, Bit, Bitfinex hackers getting a movie. Yeah, I don't know if it's a movie or maybe it's a show, Something. a series. Something it's going to be Netflix. like a Tiger King style series. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't wait. Like yeah. now we get like our. It's going to be so you know, cringe. I can't wait thing. to watch all of it. <laughs> I can't wait to not be in it at all. I, <laughs> I want to distance myself very far from whatever this series outputs. Guys, we will be back with the takes of the week and what we're excited about. And of course, the meme and moment of Zen. But before we do, we want to thank the sponsors that made this episode possible. 
Living a bankless life requires taking control of your own private keys. Not your keys, not your crypto. That's why so many in the bankless nation already have their Ledger hardware wallet. But the Ledger ecosystem is much more than just a secure hardware wallet. Ledger is the combination of the Ledger hardware wallet, the Ledger Live app, and soon the CL Crypto Life card powered by Ledger. The CL card powered by Ledger is a crypto debit card with powerful features like an instant exchange to fiat, where crypto assets are only sold at the moment that you swipe your card, and also credit from crypto collateral, where you can collateralize your crypto assets in order to get a higher credit limit. You'll be able to manage your CL card powered by Ledger inside the Ledger Live app, right next to all the DeFi apps and services that you're already used to using, making the Ledger Live app your one-stop shop for all of your financial needs. Go to ledger.com, grab a Ledger, and download Ledger Live to get all of your DeFi applications all in one place. Polygon is Ethereum's largest and most vibrant scaling solution to date. With millions of monthly users and all of the biggest DeFi apps, the Polygon ecosystem has turned into a blossoming metropolis of DeFi activity. Transactions on Polygon are quick and cheap, allowing users the freedom to achieve their DeFi goals, all while being economically anchored to Ethereum. But Polygon isn't just the proof-of-stake sidechain. The Polygon team is building a suite of scaling solutions, including Polygon Hermes, Maiden, Nightfall, and Zero, all with different design choices in order to be optimized for all possible crypto use cases. If you're a developer who wants to build on the Polygon ecosystem, go to the link in the show notes to check out their fantastic documentation. And if you're a user who just wants to experience fast and cheap DeFi, you can bridge over your ETH or other tokens and start playing around with any of the thousands of applications that are available on Polygon. Alchemix is a DeFi app that offers self-repaying loans that lets you spend money and save money at the same time. Alchemix allows you to deposit the DAI stablecoin into its vaults, which earns some of the highest yields that DeFi has to offer. You can then take a loan from Alchemix of up to 50% of the deposited DAI, and that loan automatically pays itself back from the yield that is generated from your deposit. It's a savings account that the banks don't want you to know about. Alchemix also has ETH vaults available, so you, you can get a self-repaying loan that's denominated in ETH. Coming up in Alchemix V2 is a bunch of cool new features such as credit delegation, multi-chain expansion, and DAO revenue sharing and vote boosting. Alchemix lets you get your interest payments on your deposits paid to you upfront. Check out the power of Alchemix at alchemix.fi and make sure to join their extremely vibrant Discord if you want to participate in governance or have any questions about the project. Guys, we are back with the freshest of fresh takes for the week. I'm going to keep it short because David's got to go somewhere for ETH Denver. But why don't we start with this one? What's the take, David? People aren't mad that NFTs are scams. They're mad that they did everything society told them to, and yet they're still unemployed and drowning in debt. While college dropouts make 10x their annual income by flipping memes, NFTs are a violation of people's perception of fairness. This is why we tell people to get a job in crypto. This is where the shenanigans happen. And I get it. Like people, it's exactly right. There's this cognitive dissonance. It's like, God damn it. I've been grinding for so, so hard for so long. And these monkey pictures are going for millions. What the actual F is going on in the world right now? And at some point, like I understand the cognitive dissonance. Maybe this is an exercise in meditation and accepting accept, um, and mindfulness. Lean into it. <laughs> I know it's crazy. But like you can stop grinding and just get into crypto. Um, not a guarantee. Like you also have to grind in crypto. Uh, you don't just magically win in crypto. But like good things happen the more you get into crypto. Uh, so Look, this, man, is, this, this is great. I think this take is 100% right, right. right on and uh, worth reading again. They're mad that they did everything society told them to, right. yet they're still unemployed and drowning mm -hmm. in debt. 
Get a mortgage. A, go to college. Get student yep, debt. Get your degree. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tr- try the path. Be- like even become a teacher. Mm-hmm. Teacher salaries. All of these things. Like the traditional system has really failed a lot of people, and so they're mad and they're taking it out on people who are flashing their NFTs and their crypto wealth uh, around. It. And I get that. Like I totally understand that. And it's like it's it's kind of part of the populist movement that undergirds crypto, quite honestly. But yeah, at the same time, I think this is a lesson for a lot of people that. Um, just think they can do everything that society tells them to mm-hmm. and like not question. What's that it, worked it's, it's, in the 50s. In the 50s and 60s, that worked. Mm-hmm. And no, it longer. no longer. It no longer works. You have to continuously reinvent yourself. You have to continuously level up and learn and educate yourself on what's next, what's happening. You can't just take what they tell you as the way the system works and the way the world works, you have to constantly and continuously learn and level up. And that's very much what like the bankless program is about and what the journey is about, right? It's like a bunch of people collectively going on a journey to try to figure out this industry together and become self-taught. All of the people in crypto are two things. Number one, curious. Number two, self-taught. They they learn it themselves because they go, they seek out this information. And I understand a lot of people are, you know, don't have the time to do this. They're just so stuck in the grind that they can't even surface their their head above water to actually like start to understand this space. And my empathy, right? I've I've a lot of empathy for people in that position. And yet, if you are listening, um, this is this is the way to do it, right? You got to get out of the prescribed recipes for success and actually figure out how this stuff works. Uh, it's an important lesson for us. All right, David, take us into this take. What is it? Yeah, this is from Chris Berniski. Bitcoin is like a mirror. It's hottest narrative reflecting what society needs the most. And this is coming off of the heels of uh, Canada uh, freezing the bank accounts of people uh, uh, doing uh, offering political dissent. Uh, and so he's retweeting a tweet that says, Bitcoin in 2020 to 2021, inflation hedge narrative. While we had rampant inflation, Bitcoin in 2022, censorship-resistant narrative, while we have governments freezing bank accounts. So pick your narrative because we, we got them all. Like, and the, the crypto is coming to take over the world, and it's because it's got an answer to everything. And so in 2020 to 2021, our problem was inflation. Boom, we have a 21 million supply. 2022, we have freezing bank accounts. Boom, we have censorship-resistant money. Uh, it, Bitcoin is what you need it to be. Yeah, and I think that's definitely true of, of all of crypto. Uh, look, man, light on the takes this week. That's because you're busy. We're busy, busy. but I got to ask you. I'm literally about to go run to my talk. Yeah. (laughs) Well, okay. That, that leads into what are you excited about this week, David? Oh, Ryan, I'm about to go talk at East Denver. I'm about to be on stage. <laughs> it's a dream come true to actually being able to talk at East Denver. I've been working at this talk, on this talk for, for a month now. I'm going to finish off my slides in the next like five minutes. Uh, so that's what I'm excited about, Ryan. What is the talk about? You can't leave us hanging. Oh, uh, crypto is here to set you free. Uh, and it's all about how cryptography puts power in the hands of the, in the, in the individual. Uh, Web2 and TradFi concentrate wealth towards the center, but Web3 and, and DeFi pushes wealth out towards the periphery. What happens when we have social st- uh, structures that enable us rather than extract from us? Uh, so that talk will be available on uh, probably on, on the Bankless YouTube, definitely on the East Denver YouTube, uh, and we'll figure out how to put that on the podcast feed some way or another. That's awesome, man. Are, are there any other talks that you're really excited about um, over the next couple of days at East Denver? Well, I, I sadly missed Vitalik's talk, but I'm definitely going to go and rewatch that one. But the whole rest of today's Shelling Point uh, talk, talks are, are really, really stacked. Um, I'm, I'm just excited for all of them, Ryan. Awesome, man. What are you excited about? 
You know, it's going to be weird, but uh, I'm actually excited about this BlockFi thing that happened with the SEC. And I think some people see this as a, a compromise, right? It's like not, not a good thing to crypto. Some people see it as a loss. Um, and I get that perspective, but I also feel like the broader perspective is this is a, a concession from governments. So the, the big picture here is crypto is playing this multi-decade game of chess with nation states, a multi-decade game of chess. And some people will look at the chess moves in the board and be like, yeah, that, you know, that, was, a, that was a bad move that puts your piece at a disadvantage. Or, you know, so, so people see it different ways. But let, when we zoom out, this was more of a win for crypto than the SEC. Because if you go back in time, five years ago, for instance, the SEC and nation state regulators, nation states as a whole, did not want this type of product to even exist. If you ask them, hey, can we go make this thing? It's going to you know, help consumers get you know, lower interest rates. They would say, no, our traditional financial system does that perfectly fine. Thank you very much. Please leave us alone. They didn't even want to do this sort of thing. And crypto forced their hand. How did it force their hand? By onboarding a whole bunch of users who actually wanted the product. Right. By building Win Winning hearts useful. and minds. Winning hearts and minds, delivering some utility. And now the SEC is like, oh, shit. Well, ugh. I guess we got to try to salvage this thing and get some control out of it. And so maybe from the SEC's vantage point, they, they won a battle here, but I don't think they're winning the war. Like if you ask them if they want this product to exist, they probably would have said no. And now they're forced into providing a way to uh, onboard more people to crypto. So in the game of chess, this is yet another move that puts the nation state in the defensive posture and pushes crypto forward. Uh, and like this is going to play out. It's just not a year thing. It's not like we're going to be done with it this year and this is the final answer. It's going to play out in all sorts of ways with central banks, all sorts of regulators, all sorts of nation states in a multi-decade game of chess. That's what's happening here. You know I'm a sucker for chess metaphors. This is BlockFi retreating a piece, retreating a horse, uh, a knight, uh, into, into a more defensive position so it can attack later. So we're, we're, we're giving up on one angle of attack, we're going into defense mode, and we're going to be able to attack from a stronger position later. Yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. All right, Dave, let's get to the meme of the week. Meme of the what's week. What's hot this week? Meme let's it out. Let's do it. All right. Oh, <laughs> so, I just killed it. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Hold on. Sh shift, command, T. All right. Okay. Um, this is the, the meme of the week, and this is the guy telling the girl who doesn't want to hear it, no, it's called a blockchain, and it means the monkey is actually mine. And that's the meme of the week. <laughs> that's awesome. That girl's like, what the F? What's going on here? Guys, uh, this has been our roll-up ETH Denver special edition. Thanks for logging on, David. Uh, we're going to get you the moment of zen in just a minute, so stay tuned for that. But before I do, i got to tell you about these disclaimers. Of course, Bitcoin is ETH risky. ETH is risky. None of this was financial advice. You can lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot. Invented Ethereum when he was just a kid. And that's not even the coolest thing that Vitalik Buterin did. That's it. That's all I saw. Hey, we hope you enjoyed the video. If you did, head over to Bankless HQ right now to develop your crypto investing skills and learn how to free yourself from banks and gain your financial independence. We recommend joining our daily newsletter, podcast, and community as a Bankless Premium subscriber to get the most out of your Bankless experience. 
You'll get access to our market analysis, our alpha leaks, and exclusive content, and even the Bankless token for airdrops, raffles, and unlocks. If you're interested in crypto, the Bankless community is where you want to be. Click the link in the description to become a Bankless Premium subscriber today. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the channel for in-depth interviews with industry leaders, Ask Me Anythings, and weekly roll-ups where we summarize the week in crypto and other fantastic content. Thanks everyone for watching and being on the journey as we build out the Bankless Nation.